0: From the Alaska Airline Studio.
1: Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. I don't like my God, we not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We do it for each other. This is the Blitz at 6.
2: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you, Friday, April 17th. Heading into the weekend here. Up on the docket today, Denver Broncos. Pro linebacker Von Miller tested positive for the coronavirus. He spoke to local news in Denver. Yesterday, so we'll uh, we'll hear from him what he had to say about that. What happens if more NFL players test positive? He is the second NFL player uh, to go public and and say and identify that they had tested positive. So what does this mean? Uh, if more players speak out, they asked that question on Golik and Wingo this morning. Also, Donald Trump speaking with sports commissioners on when fans could potentially come back. We also heard from Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, a new quote yesterday. And when will fans feel comfortable enough to be back in those stadiums, even if it is allowed? What's the best case scenario for the NFL versus NCAA football, who are working with a very different set of circumstances? Also, the NFL is still planning to release its 2020 schedule by May 9th, based on a full season, according to ESPN. It's all ahead in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Denver Broncos linebacker Von Miller tested positive for coronavirus. He spoke with Nine News in Denver yesterday. He said, it's true. I've been here in the crib and I started to get a little cough. You know, I have asthma and I started getting a little cough a couple of days ago. My girlfriend, she told me when I was asleep, she said my cough, it didn't sound normal. Uh, Miller said his nebulizer, I've had asthma too, so I know the the aid that you use a lot of times for asthma didn't help him out. And his assistant persuaded him to go to the doctor to get tested on Tuesday. He said, it's crazy. I've been quarantined here at the house. There's not really any medicine or anything like that. Uh, the doctor told him if his breathing changed, uh, I'm still new to this. He said, this is like an hour into the learning process. This is like an hour since I learned I tested positive when he spoke to the news, and he said he's not sure what he's was still what what the future holds, but um he did post on an Instagram story layered that day saying he'll do whatever it takes to get through this and advising people to take this seriously. It's definitely for real. Mike Golick Jr. this morning on Golick and Wingo asking what happens if more NFL players test positive because Miller is the second active NFL player uh, known to have tested positive. On Wednesday, Los Angeles Rams Center, Brian Allen told Fox Sports that he tested positive. But here was uh, Mike Golick asking that question this morning. When
3: I first heard the Brian Allen news, I, I thought what I thought. You know, it was, so, it was three weeks ago at this point. It was further away from when he would have been around other people. So this isn't like the end of the NBA season. But... If you've got more people that pop up like Von Miller and now that someone's been able to come forward, Mm -hmm. if more guys start to self-report and say, you know, I've been dealing with this too, does that kind of make the NFL pause at all? This idea that, all right, you could potentially at some point bring all these guys back together and you've got, you know, 2,000 guys. You're not sure who might come back with what.
2: Donald Trump yesterday uh, said that he spoke with sports commissioners. He's got an advisory panel of about over 200 people from different sectors of the economy, but a lot of big names uh, in sports on when he plans or when fans could come back.
0: But in terms of sports, they'll probably start off, as you know, I spoke to The commissioners yesterday, almost, I guess, of every sport, many of them are going to be starting without the fans. So it'll be made for television, the good old days, made for television. And it'll go that way, and then fans will start coming in. Maybe they'll be separated by two seats. And then, ultimately, we want to have packed arenas. When the virus is gone, we're going to have packed arenas, and we're going to be back to enjoying sports the way they're supposed to be.
2: Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy, He spoke yesterday as well on when the fans could possibly be back in sport. The answer is
4: it is conceivable that we will be able to do that. I think there will always have to be attention to making sure that we don't do all that packing in together. I think we'll be able to have sports events in that phase where you actually have participants there. I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that uniformly and evenly, temporally with everyone. But when people get to that phase... Paying attention to the fact that if there is a rebound of any sort, that when you're in that phase, you can respond to that or you put it back and go in the other ways.
2: Uh, now, being allowed back in the stadiums is one thing, but when people actually feel comfortable going back to the stadiums is another. And uh, both Golick and Wingo Will is actually Mike Golik Jr. and Trey Wingo, discussing when fans might feel comfortable enough to do that.
3: Obviously, we all want sports to be back. As soon as it can be, and the fans packed. But I, you know, the other part is, will the fans be willing to be packed? Right? I mean, that's that's part of this process, and we saw that survey where seventy plus percent of them were saying, "Hey, until there's a vaccine, I don't think I'm going to be rubbing elbows with people right. that I don't know." Well, and I think that's the other part of this is until there's a vaccine, and we've heard the timeline of that for for that originally was twelve to eighteen right. months, and we've heard some signs that we might be further along in right. that process and, and getting towards something like that, like. That's when you're talking about anything even closely resembling the old normal, right? Like correct. You're not packing stadiums or anything even close to that until you've got a vaccine cuz the virus never goes like, it, like the flu doesn't go away. Like that's the one comparison I'm sort of okay with making with yeah. the flu at this point considering what a you know a, a cluster that was for a while. Like it doesn't go away, but you just have the means to control things a little better.
2: Will football players be safe on the sidelines? That's a question that people are asking as well.
5: Even because it's the biggest sport with the most participants, I guess a lot of people are saying, well, even in the NFL, you have you have virtually, you know, between the sidelines, all the teams, all the, the, the medical personnel and ancillary people, you have a lot of people on a football field. So why, if you have nobody in the stands, is it safe for everybody on the football field well over to, to be sideline. to boy, be boy. safe?
2: Herm Edwards was on GetUp yesterday. I always love hearing from the coach of the Sun Devils now, but he talked about how football is not a social distancing sport.
4: If the students aren't on
5: campus and we feel they're not safe, uh, then, then the question I have to ask, well, if you know, they're not safe, are the players safe? And, you know, this is a sport that we play. Uh, it, it's not a social distancing sport, by the way. Last time I checked,
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, if, you, if you are a social distancing football team, you're not going to win many games, by the way. <laughs> This is, this is a game built on contact. <laughs> now, they're not saying that you can't play, uh, but it'd be very interesting.
2: But it seems to be a common belief that the NFL has a better chance of coming back before college because of their dependence on fans and of students being in school and being allowed to be in school.
3: If we're talking about football seasons, the NFL would be first before college. Yes. Oh, like would yes. that one that one, se- that one seems to like more and more as we go along make like for the, a for a variety. Yeah, of yeah I mean to say for the for the control, for the ability to have a choice as far as yep. the collectively bargained aspect of players having a union mm-hmm. in the NFL versus college where they're like the the student portion of this, we're seeing is right now rearing its head a lot because of the way they've got to go about this with the different rules, and rightly so. Like, if you're going to continue the farce of amateurism, you better at least operate and act like it's something that matters to you. So, so far, so good on that.
2: Greg McElroy, uh, ESPN football analyst, talking about the impact that it would have on college athletics if there's no football.
6: Right now, look, football has to be played. Like Literally, it has to be played. So, they are going to play it Come hell or high water. It's going to happen. It's just we're not sure exactly when it's going to happen because if it's not, college athletics will literally implode. Football programs make up and account for around eighty percent of the revenue of a vast majority of these schools. And television revenue is one thing, but for some of these schools in the group of five, the Mac and the and the Mountain West and And the uh, American Athletic Conference, even though they're essentially the power six, they rely so heavily on that gate revenue that it would be really, really difficult for them to put forth other programs and to support other varsity sports and to provide 200 scholarships annually.
2: Greg McElroy also talking about a big factor in college athletics.
6: The thing that makes college sports very unique is that we as players in college sports, we do not have the opportunity to collectively bargain our workplace conditions. So pro sports, MLB, NBA, NFL, they will have the opportunity here in the near future to return to the field or the court or the diamond because they'll be able to collectively bargain their workplace conditions. College athletes were not able to unionize.
2: Craig McElroy, also with further thoughts on what that could look like in the future when uh, college comes back.
6: We're talking about Saturdays, y'all. If this thing is pushed until until a condensed schedule, Saturdays uh, might be a thing of the past, at least in the short term. I've heard games are going to be played like a max schedule. You might be playing on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. And then, of course, Saturdays. The only day you wouldn't play on, likely, is Sunday. You might have games six days a week. So I think spreading the fan base wide that way as well is something that's really interesting. It's something that I know people that are really close to the situation have monitored as a possibility. But, uh, you know, Saturdays, you're right. I mean, we do have somewhat of an exclusive window. But if the NFL all of a sudden now has to condense their season and they're having to play on multiple days a week, which I don't think anyone's anticipating, uh, and us going head-to-head against the NFL in regards to popularity and quality of play, I don't think that would be a good thing for the college game.
2: Games every day of the week, football every day of the week, potentially, if it gets pushed uh, later in the season, maybe even perhaps to spring. Up next on the Blitz, California high school star and potential number one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, Jalen Green is going to the G League. What does this mean for uh, college basketball? And could others follow in his footsteps because of the uncertain future of college basketball this season? It's next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz.
2: Welcome back to the Blitz at six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, April 17th. Well, most of us really missed March Madness this year and everything that ensues watching the Cinderella stories, watching uh, the triumphs of those college players. And unfortunately, March Madness uh, not able to happen this year because of COVID-19. But There is a big news headline that happened yesterday. Potential number one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. That would be California's Jalen Green announced Thursday that in lieu of college, he'll be participating in a reshaped professional pathway program with the NBA, a G League initiative that... People say, well, that will pay elite prospects uh, half a million dollars plus. It will provide a one-year development program outside of the G League's traditional team structure. And Green will become the very first participant in this new pro pathway, a decision that likely clears the way for more prospects to do the same. Pablo Torre of ESPN on Jalen Green and his decision
7: is a game change, first for me, because Jalen Green, America, is Filipino. And you need to know something. I've been claiming one-eighth of Nate Robinson for about a, a decade now. I can get the number one overall pick. This is my vision board come to life. So total game changer, personally. The second level, though, is that this is the nightmare, Tony, for college basketball. You can pay a kid half a, half a million dollars-plus endorsements coming. College basketball has to figure out, are we going to actually do the thing with name, image, and likeness? Because our sell for top prospects gets worse by the day.
2: So we'll get into that and more in just a minute. But how did this come about? Well, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, G League President Sharif Abdur-Rahim have worked to eliminate two massive hurdles uh, to enticing players who might not be interested in, in college basketball or the one-and-done model, to pass on going to the National Basketball League of Australia, which pays quite handsomely, and instead stay home. They did so by providing a better salary and a better salary increase in a structure that doesn't include playing full-time in the G League. Once top 2020 draft prospects LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton chose to play professionally in Australia in Australia this year, Silver became uh, more focused on, on, on working on this and exploring a financial basketball structure that enticed top American prospects to stay home. Green represents a breakthrough for the NBA's longstanding goal of gaining access to top prospects who want an alternative to the NCAA. The NBA's talks Remain stalled with the NBA or uh, with the National Basketball Players Association on an agreement to end the one and done draft model. Trey Wingo talking about the NBA creating problems with the one and done rule.
3: People, uh, and get, they get confused or they forget about this all the time. This wasn't an NCAA rule. No, this was an NBA rule. The one and done. Exactly right. So the NBA said you can't come to high school any, you can't come straight from high school anymore. So you need to go to college for at least one year which set up the NCAA with, okay, fine, we'll take these guys, we'll have the one-and-done program. Then the NBA didn't like that look, so they're doing this, and it's like, oh, look at us, we're better than the NCAA. But you started this whole process to begin with.
2: Started this whole thing. Mike Golick Jr. saying a one-and-done rule will get eliminated, and that seems to be a popular sentiment. There have
3: been talks of eliminating that one-and-done rule. Right. And uh, our own Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted yesterday, As NBA and NBA PA talks on eliminating the one-and-done remain stalled, strengthening the pro-pathway initiative became even more important to Adam Silver. In many ways, this is a bridge to that eventual day. LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton signing in Australia accelerated these changes, so... I think this this criticism has an end date because I believe ultimately they're going to get rid of the one and done right I think right by now. 22, I think, in that area there.
2: Mike Golick also saying the NCAA needs to incentivize their athletes.
5: College needs to incentivize. How are you going to incentivize? You know the way you're going to incentivize, right? You're going to let these guys make money on their likeness yeah. because that that's it. Because what a, and, and that may not even be enough. I can go to the G League get paid a couple hundred thousand dollars and be a pro and not have to go to school, or I can go to college, hopefully get paid a little bit of money off my likeness, but have to do some college work, even though, let's be honest, it's one semester of work. Yeah. If you're a one-and-done, if you only go one-and-done in college, it's one semester because that second semester, if you're going to be in the
3: draft, it really, really doesn't matter a whole but lot. But I guess that's what I mean. Like, Even as you say it right there, it's pointless. Like The signs yes. go off in your head. Yes. It is completely pointless, that one semester of work.
2: Jay Billis with a different perspective saying college basketball will be diminished if top players end up skipping college. What I
6: think you have ultimately is a diminishment of the overall product of college basketball. doesn't mean it's going to die in the vine. Nobody's suggesting that, or at least I'm not, but it will be diminished. You can't convince me that the the college game would be better off without Zion Williamson, without Jalen Green and the like. It's not better, and I think the NCAA has to figure out a way to provide incentives for players to come to college,
2: Another prospect who could join the G League professional pathway is All-American Isaiah Todd. He ranked number 13 uh, in ESPN's 2020 100. He decommitted from Michigan this week. There's some other big names in there as well. But the NBA season is shut down currently because of the coronavirus pandemic. The league is losing money by the day. So the financial investment in this program is significant There's uncertainty surrounding college sports, as we've been talking about uh, for several days now for the coming year because of the pandemic. So the professional pathway program could represent a a more controlled environment that gives them ensures the development and allows them to make money in the interim uh, as they move towards their career. Up next on the Blitz, uh, let's hear from Oh Bill O'Brien. It's uh, it's a good time to hear from Bill O'Brien. He defends the DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals trade. You won't, don't want to miss it. It's next right here on the Blitz.
1: You're listening to the Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio.
2: Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Let me cruise alongside it with you. About 15 minutes, that Bill O'Brien sound, I promised you, trying to defend trading away DeAndre Hopkins. We'll, we'll hear from the Houston Texans GM slash head coach. But first, Jerry Depoto joining Danny and Gallant yesterday to chat about this unprecedented time in baseball.
3: How, how do you think it would impact athletes to be playing if there weren't Fans in the stands—is that something you've thought about at all?
8: I I, sure I have, and and I guess uh, you know to that extent, having come up with the Cleveland Indians back in the major league days, (laughs) I've actually experienced this in some weird way. (laughs) We you know we (laughs) didn't we didn't have uh, at old Cleveland Municipal Stadium before we turned the corner uh, as a as a young building group. We played in front of small crowds fairly regularly and and I, I I recapped this before but I think my major league debut our our crowd in 80,000 seat stadium was slightly less than 5,000 so you know which seemed like nothing and you know it was uh it was it was unique and I guess the you know what it robs you of is that that adrenaline that you know the the 12th man so to speak in, in football or the, the the crowd really does uh get you going it stokes you as a player and and you know that much will be missed but i I do think that that the normalcy of having baseball on tv and and giving uh giving the public at large you know a welcome distraction something they can focus on that they love to watch is it's it's a really good thing and and i hope we're able to do it and, and obviously hope as soon as possible
7: one of the proposals about bringing baseball back would involve players not being in the dugout. They'd basically be sitting in the stands like six feet apart. And as a former player, I, I can imagine that also would be very weird. You can't really have private conversations. You can't, you're can't. you sort of out in the open. You're sort of exposed. Uh, how would you feel if you were in a situation like that, where basically the dugout no longer exists?
8: It, it would be unusual. And, and, you know, this, just going through the initial stages of, of uh, I guess putting a halt to spring training this year and talking with our players about the benefits of social distancing and, and, you know, that type thing, what we find out is these guys are so close, just like, you know, many of us who are in isolation now, you know, we're at home with our families and, you know, I have my wife, I have my daughter and her husband are here at our house. And, and we, we do have, we do have people around us that we love and the players are the same way. And, and once they're around one another they have they they generally let their guard down. So I'm not sure that the the six feet apart in the stands, you know, concept is something that the players will, will actually adhere to or if they will like like so many of us, they just get comfortable when they're at home and, and their teammates are their teammates and, and, and they very much get uh, they get very familial in, in how they handle one another. So I I wouldn't expect that that's that's something that we're likely to to be fine, disturbing, or even notice. There might be a few players that, that separate uh, themselves in that way, but I, I would imagine that most would have a tough time with that.
0: We're talking to Jerry DePoto here. Jerry, what, what sense do you get of, of how your players are, are holding up through this? And they're young guys who this
3: is the, the, the meat of their season. They should be starting and performing. That's what they prepared for and to have everything stop. How do you get a sense of how they're holding up?
8: You know, itchy. Uh, They're itchy. They want to get back, uh, and they are. They're chomping at the bit, and a lot of them have. We we do a really good job, as I've mentioned in weeks past. We do a really good job of keeping in touch with our players, trying to stay in tune with with what they need mentally, trying to help them stay prepared as best we can physically. But they want to go play, And, and you know they they do spend a fair amount of time right now on on. Special projects, talking with each other. Uh, I've mentioned some of the cool things we're doing to try to to bring the group together socially, even if it's over networks. And and you, but you can't really replace being at the ballpark for eight or ten hours and you know and playing the game. That, that's that's what they love to do. And and so many of these guys have you know either had their their major league debuts or their first full seasons. You know, on the horizon, and that was an exciting thing. And to to have that delayed is certainly disappointing. But you know, like everybody else around us, I think they are understanding that that their circumstance is probably better than most. So, grin and bear it, and we'll get back to work as soon as it's safe. The Korean
7: baseball league has had some interesting challenges in its way, but it it's back out there, and we heard from Dan Straley who had some very interesting comments about just some of the obstacles that players have to overcome just to prove that they are healthy and that they are not at risk for anybody else have you been keeping up on what they're doing there and are there any ideas that you've seen them take that potentially major league baseball could take and run with
8: you know, I, I we do track the the pacific rim you know players especially the leagues right now and and we're watching to, I mean, obviously watching closely to, to see how this plays out for them. And, and I know they've had some starts and stops, but, you know, as commissioner Manfred said, which I think we're all in agreement with is we won't return until we believe that, that, that the grounds are safe, that the, the CDC and the, the doctors recommend uh, that we go back. That's when we'll go back. And, and I don't suspect we will go back sooner. and, and for, for baseball, though, I'm sure that like with anything else, you'll have to make unforeseen adjustments once, once we start and eventually we will start. We couldn't even begin to wonder what those are right now. So, you know, to watch what's happening in Korea or right now in Taiwan and, and, and just effectively take notes because they're right now they have the courage or at least they, they believe. Uh, that it's the right thing to do to start again and, and we'll see how it goes with them. And, and I'm sure that's something that they are doing. We will, we will steal a little bit of and, and apply it to our plan whenever it's time. Could, could one
7: of those things potentially be what that one baseball team in Taiwan is doing where they have basically robot mannequins in the stands that look like fans.
8: I, I don't think that replicates the emotion, which is what you meant. <laughs> it's not really the body. <laughs> and I think the, you know, it's funny. I, I was this is this is a lot of years ago, but I was playing in the Carolina League as a minor leaguer with the with the Indians, and we went to play the the uh, Peninsula Pilots, who were the I think for just one year they were the Class A affiliate of the Mariners, and and uh, we went to play the Pilots. They weren't uh let's say a healthy franchise at the time. It was one of the first road series of our season and it was particularly cold uh, it, which it can be near the beaches you know the coastlines in that that early part of the season and uh i think there were six fans in the game including my then girlfriend who's my now wife and we <laughs> we had our our radio uh our radio guy you know it's a one-man radio team and and a ball our radio guy got such a kick out of how small the crowd was that as the, the game started, he went and sat with each of the fans and, and did a quick quick introduction <laughs> and, and how are you on the radio with six fans. It was fabulous. Jerry,
3: at that point, you must have known that this, this young lady really liked you. If she's sitting through a minor league baseball game with five other people and it's freezing cold.
8: It was. it was it was phenomenal, and it was her you know it was her introduction into uh, like public interviews. So it was, it was her first interview, and, <laughs> and you know, it was, we short I guess, the the following season after the following season we were married. So I knew that she had a uh, she had some staying power.
2: <laughs> Mariners GM Jerry Depoto on Danny and Gallant yesterday. I've been in a few games where there's five or six people, some minor league baseball games. Those ones are just as fun. Up next on the Bliss, it's time for the Hot List. Leonard Fournette is making a pitch to Jacksonville to sign quarterback Cam Newton. What could this mean for former Coug Gardner Minshew? It's up next in the Hot List right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List.
9: Holy
6: mackerel! The
1: headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645.
6: Heck yes! What are we missing here?
1: A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive.
4: Let's go!
2: Earlier this month, former Rams running back Todd Gurley well as former Rams linebacker Clay Matthews pointed out on social media that Los Angeles still owed them some money after their respective releases. On April 8th, Gurley tweeted at Rams NFL past due, send me money ASAP. Matthews retweeted him and added, you and me both, TG, better get some interest with that too. The Rams declined to comment at the time. That is until now, of course. Los, Los Angeles Rams GM Lesneed told NFL Network this week that both Gurley and Matthews will get the money owed to them. He said, quote, they're definitely owed money. That money is guaranteed. We're going to pay them. There's some language in the contract of exactly when you pay them, and that's what we're adhering by. What I do know is both Clay and Todd earn that money, and they're going to get that money. L.A. released Gurley and Matthews on March 19th. Gurley agreed to a one-year $5.5 million contract with the Atlanta Falcons days later. The Rams still owed him uh, $7.55 million roster bonus, but because of offsetting language in his contract with the Rams, the the team did not have to pay him $2.5 million of what is owed. Matthews, still a free agent, uh, was due a fully guaranteed $2 million roster bonus. His contract also has offsetting language as well. Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans, he has been in the uh, punchline of a few different jokes and some head-scratching trades over the past couple of years. Now, the team's acting general manager as well as head coach, maybe the latest and maybe the most egregious, is trading away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, a generational wide receiver talent and Bill O'Brien finally uh, speaking on that yesterday in a conference call said it was what well, the was in the best interest of the Texans.
9: A lot of people are going to ask me about, obviously, uh, probably the the transaction that made the most news, DeAndre Hopkins. First and foremost, I will tell you that DeAndre Hopkins was a great player in Houston. Uh, made a ton of plays for us, and and you know just did a great job. I mean, he, he you know obviously the 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 production is there and everybody knows what that production is. I'd say with three years left on his contract, you know, his representatives, himself, myself, and our, our team of people, we spoke and we felt like relative to what I said earlier, salary cap, future, uh, our team being able to, to, to provide our team with more and more role players, layers of players. It was in the best interest of our team to, to move DeAndre to Arizona
2: uh, Bill O'Brien admitting though, that you can't replace someone like replace someone like Hopkins. Yeah, I don't think
9: you replace Hopkins. I don't. I, I, I think that every year is different. I think that this year's offense will be totally different than last year's offense or the year before his offense.
2: Bill O'Brien saying he wishes him the best though.
9: And we wish DeAndre the best. Uh, DeAndre is a great football player and he'll do well in Arizona. We wish him the best in Arizona.
2: Bill O'Brien also uh, encouraging people to let the trade play out. So
9: we feel very good about the, the value that we got for the trade. And I think, Stephanie, I think the best thing I can tell the fans is to is to please, because I know the media's job is to evaluate right away. I get that. I have a lot of respect for the media. I've always said that. But I think we have to let it all play out. Let it play out. Let the whole thing play out, whether it's that trade or Anything else that we've done, I would say let's let's review it. You know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Let's let it all play out.
2: That's how long we have to wait three years to, to see if that was uh, if that was good. Not just one year, maybe uh, with the immediate effect that that might have on offense. Uh, speaking, uh, though, of that, Ryan Clark yesterday talked about Bill O'Brien sort of backpedaling doesn't look good as a GM. And it
4: seems like Bill O'Brien is backpedaling. I mean, I think all of us, when we make decisions, Sage, would like to say, hey, you know what? Just let it play out. But there are consequences and there's also critique of what we do. And right now, Bill O'Brien is not looking good as the GM of the Houston Texans.
2: Well, speaking of trades or non-existent trades, that uh, rumored trades that didn't happen, Ball D. Podesta, who is the Browns chief strategic officer, you also might know that name if you read Moneyball or saw that movie, but uh, he talked about the Odell Beckham Jr. trade rumors. And said those are unfounded. They're building around a core.
6: Short. I'll just say it was completely false. It's frustrating a little bit. A little bit. Obviously, I think it's pretty clear that we're trying to build uh, at this point. We've we've done an awful lot in free agency. Uh, We're excited about what we have a chance to do in the draft, and we're really building around a a core of players that we think have a chance to be a championship caliber core. And the idea that we would take away from that core at this moment just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and, and really not something that we're exploring at all. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's completely
2: false. Completely false, according to De Podesta. Uh, also, uh, this week you heard from, wait for it, wait for it, nope, it's USC quarterback JT Daniels. He entered his name into the transfer portal. I was trying to find my sound effect for the transfer portal. Uh, but Coach Clay Helton said and confirmed that yesterday Daniels suffered a season-ending knee injury in the opener last year. That uh, led to Kedon Slovis's emergence as the Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. He threw for over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, nine interceptions last year. USC hoping that Daniels would stay and they could keep them both on their roster, but uh, Slovis looking as the penciled-in starter, so Daniels made the decision to explore those other options. Daniels, a four-star ESPN 300 prospect in the class of 2018, he's been working on rehabbing his knee but isn't expected to be fully ready for competition until at least the summer, which of course, the future of college football at this point is still up in the air in terms of when it will return and who it will return with fans, without fans, could it be in the spring? Those are all still questions that people are pondering at this point and following the advice of healthcare professionals. Running back Leonard Fournette making a pitch to his team to Jacksonville to sign quarterback Cam Newton. Uh, He first shared that idea on social media saying he wanted the team to sign the free agent QB who was cut by Carolina back on March 24th. Fournette said it again Thursday. He was on ESPN's first take yesterday and uh, said that Newton's experience would make a huge difference in the Jags offense. They averaged just 18.8 points per game last season and Fournette says they can do better. Burnett, uh told First Take that Cam has been to a Super Bowl, too, and they would benefit from that type of experience. Nine seasons with Carolina. He also made sure, though, to note that he meant no disrespect to the mustache to quarterback Gardner Minshew, former Koog. Just that friendly competition is good for everyone. Minshew set Jag's uh, rookie records in passing yards and passing touchdowns. He had the best passer rating and fewest interceptions of any rookie quarterback in 2019. The team traded Nick Foles to Chicago on March 24th which leaves Minshew as the only QB on the roster with game experience. Uh, Jags coach Doug Marone and their GM Dave Caldwell said yesterday in a news conference that the team will add another quarterback to go along with Minshew and backup Josh Dobbs. Whether that comes in the draft or free agency, we still do not know. Marone also said he was confident in Minshew as the starter in 2020, but echoed Fournette's sentiments that competition is good for everybody involved. Uh, Several mock drafts over the past month have the Jags taking a QB with their ninth overall pick. Todd McShay's latest has them taking Oregon's Justin Herbert. So what about that? Some Pac-12 representation there uh, on the Jags squad, potentially. Speaking of taking quarterbacks in this draft, uh, Chris Greer, Dolphins GM, yesterday saying... They will make the best pick for Miami. We've done a lot of
5: things here with us, and we spent a lot of time, and Brian, the coaching staff, the scouts, we've spent a lot of time going through it, and a lot of time, players, spent a lot of time doing it. So, you know, we're going to do what we feel is best for the Miami Dolphins. I would hope, you know, that uh, they have some trust in what we're doing and they believe in what we're doing.
2: Chris Greer giving his thoughts on Tuatonga Vailoa and Justin Herbert.
5: They're both interesting uh, kids. Uh, have, you know, both went through this process. Really good people, good players. They both won for us uh, going through the process. They're going through the process just like with every player we've done. So, um, obviously, being a quarterback, I you know that's why everyone wants to know. But we spent a lot of time with a lot of the, uh, top players, and uh, no different with them. But uh, they're both uh, very talented players. Both won a lot of games and are both uh, intelligent players that are
0: winners.
2: Just perfectly vague on that one. Speaking of drafts, though, the WNBA draft is tonight's Oregon guard Sabrina Unescu projected to be the number one overall pick that is held by New York, the New York Liberty. They also have a flurry of picks, uh, even in the top 15, It got five picks there. head coach Walt Hopkins, though, also trying to remain tight lipped, even though. Uh, this is pretty much everybody's consensus number one. I
6: will tell you that I'm going to play coy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am not in uh, any way, shape, or form looking to trade this pick. That's not our plan. I can't tell you who we're going to take because I don't know legally if I'm allowed to. But it's going to be a really, really fun night for the franchise.
2: If you want to watch that, 4 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN, 7 p.m. Eastern. The potential number one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. This is a really interesting story. California high school star Jalen Green announced yesterday that in lieu of college, uh, he'll be participating in a new G League professional pathway program. It's a G League initiative that will pay elite prospects half a million dollars plus who will provide a one-year development program, a pathway outside of the normal G League traditional team structure, and Green will become the first professional pathway participant. It makes It's a decision that likely clears the way for more elite prospects to do this. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and G League President Sharif Abdul-Rahim have worked to eliminate two big hurdles to convincing players not interested in the one-and-done year of college basketball uh, to pass on Lucrative National Basketball League of Australia stay here, and then doing so by providing a massive salary increase and a structure that doesn't include playing full time in the G League. So Adam Silver really made this uh, a a priority, especially after top 2020 draft prospects Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton chose to play in Australia this year. So Green could represent the just the first of many. Uh, prospect to do this another in discussion to join the g league professional pathway is all american isaiah todd he's ranked number 13 in the 2020 espn 100 he decommitted from michigan this week now it's a time of uncertainty for for so many people and sports leagues as well but there's definitely uncertainty surrounding college sports and their environment for the coming year within this pandemic and a professional pathway program could represent a very controlled environment that gives them a known quantity of money, allows them to develop and prepare for their future career. Denver Broncos pro linebacker Von Miller tested positive for the coronavirus. He told local news in Denver on Thursday. Um, He said that he just had a strange cough at night. It was basically his girlfriend that alerted him to it. He has asthma and using his inhaler didn't work. Um, so that he ended up seeing the doctor earlier this week and then um, tested positive. And he had a message for everybody on social media to uh, take this seriously. It's definitely for real. So what happens if more NFL NFL players test positive? That was a question Mike Golick Jr. posed this morning. The NFL as of now is still planning to release its 2020 schedule by May 9th. And it's based on a full season. Commissioner Roger Goodell in a FaceTime call last week said the NFL is planning to play this season. Um... That's our hope quote, and that's our planning to date. He said also that he believes the NFL can help the United States heal from the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. But can they do it in a safe manner and what will it look like without fans? Donald Trump yesterday said he spoke with sports commissioners on when fans can come back.
0: But in terms of sports, they'll probably start off. As you know, I spoke to the commissioners yesterday, almost, I guess, of every sport. Many of them are going to be starting without the fans. So it'll be made for television, the good old days, made for television. And it'll go that way. And then fans will start coming in. Maybe they'll be separated by two seats. And then ultimately, we want to have packed arenas. When the virus is gone, we're going to have packed arenas. And we're going to be back to enjoying sports the way they're supposed to be.
2: Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy on if they can have fans and large crowds back in sports.
0: The
4: answer is, it is conceivable that we will be able to do that. I think there will always have to be attention to making sure that we don't do all that packing in together. I think we'll be able to have sports events in that phase where you actually have participants there. I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that uniformly and evenly, temporally with everyone. But when people get to that phase, paying attention to the fact that that if there is a rebound of any sort, that when you're in that phase, you can respond to that or you put it back and go in the other way.
2: That's a wrap for the hot list and the entire Blitz at six Hour. Danny and Collant is coming your way in mere seconds right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. We'll see you back here next week. Everybody Uh, take care over the weekend.